Thanks for joining us for Focus on the Bible. In this episode, Dr. Freddie discusses God's forgiveness. When I was a little boy, my grandfather lived across the road from me in the middle of his farm, and out the road was his friend, Mr. Billy. Then one year, they got into an argument. They argued over a property line. I took my bicycle down the big hill on that dirt road and checked out where the corner pin was, and I knew that my pa was right, but I also knew that the opinion of an 11-year-old little boy wouldn't mean much to grown men who were mad at one another. And that went on for some time, and then one day, that summer, riding my bicycle around the circle, I noticed Mr. Billy stopped at my pa's house in his pickup truck. He reached in the back and took out a big brown sack that was just full of sweet corn, took it up on the front porch and made a presentation of that corn to my pa. And I'll tell you, that warmed my heart. It made my day. I felt so much better to know that order had been restored in my world. That very property line that they had argued about for that whole summer, a couple of years later, became very useful. We were in the drought of a lifetime and Even cattle were having a hard time finding things to eat. The pastures had all browned over and were were crinkly when a person walked across. And my pa went and told Mr. Billy, you could cut that fence and rebuild it. Run that fence way down in my woods. It'll be okay to run your cows right across my property and let them eat some of that good green growth in the hardwoods. How about you, friend? Have you seen how powerful forgiveness really is? Let's talk about this. Now the Bible says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. We all are guilty before God. There's no argument. There's no defense. We've all sinned. We were born in sin and we have spent our lives making wrong choices. But are you today forgiven in the eyes of God? Most people that I talk to have a very vague idea about their own forgiveness with God. They have a lot of hope, most people. They will say to me, well, I hope I'm forgiven. I hope it will turn out at the end of it all. And they seem to have an idea that their forgiveness with God is not final that they can't count on an eternal destiny based on the fact that they are now, presently, fully forgiven with God. Here's why. Because most people seem to have an idea that being forgiven by God is based upon works. Their own works. They have an idea that God may forgive you, but it will be because you deserve it. Because you're doing very well. You are scratching God's back, so to speak. This is what most people seem to believe. And they think that if they do enough, they can satisfy God. But it could always be like the rug ripped out from under their feet. If they ever go the wrong direction with God. That forgiveness might be taken away based on the fact that they're not doing for Him what they once did or what they should Is forgiveness based upon our works? 
Is forgiveness something that's temporary, that could be taken away? Is forgiveness something that we must continue to toe the line or it could be lost? And is forgiveness for every sin that a person has ever done? These ideas that most people have are not from the Bible. They are cobbled together by a homemade theology. But someone hasn't focused on the Bible. Let's not be among them. I want to look with you at four passages of Scripture today and see God's ideas about forgiveness. First, Acts chapter 10. Would you join me if you can, beginning in verse number 39. Peter, the apostle, has gone to a strange place. He's gone to the household of a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is not a Jew, but he is very curious about God, and all that he knows about God is good to him. But he needs the message of salvation, and God has sent Peter now to his door. There apparently is a full house of people as Peter begins to speak. In verse 39, he says, We're witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. So there Peter described for Cornelius and all his friends and family that Jesus had died on a cross. Verse 40, Peter says, Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. So there is Peter preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Two verses later, comes Peter's instructions from God. He says this, And he commanded us to preach unto the people, and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. The word quick means living. So Peter says that Jesus Christ who died on the cross and who then rose from the dead has been appointed the judge by God the Father. He will be the judge of who is alive with God and who is dead in the eyes of God. Then comes Peter's big finish, verse 43. He says, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Well, that was fantastic news for Cornelius and all the people in that house on that day. The idea that Jesus had died for sins, that he rose from the dead to prove the pavement was made, was received that day in that house as awesome news. They believed in Jesus Christ on that day as preached to them faithfully by Peter the Apostle, and they received that remission of sins. The next verse, verse 44, says the Holy Spirit was given to all those people in that house on that day. Five chapters later, in Acts chapter 15, Peter will stand among the apostles and make the case that salvation offered by God is not only for Jews, but it's also for Gentiles and anyone in the world who qualifies for forgiveness by grace. You see, Peter's message wasn't that Cornelius could fix everything with God if he would become religious. The message wasn't for the others in that household that if they could do enough work to pay God off, they could feel a lot better about their salvation. No, no, the message was all about what Jesus did, wasn't it? It was about how he died on the cross. It was about how he rose from the dead. It was about how he now is the judge of who's alive and who's dead. God did not give this to our own judgment, did he? 
No, no. He's put it in the hands of Jesus who is alive with God, who's forgiven, who has remission of sins. And Jesus' word is very clear. His judgment is not based upon a person's works, obedience, or what they've done to deserve it. No, no. The judgment of Jesus about who's alive and who's forgiven is who has met the qualification. And the qualification is singular. It's faith alone in Christ alone. What I'm telling you is what Peter told them. Remission of sins is by believing in the one who has taken care of sin. And that's the best news in the whole world. Three chapters later, the Apostle Paul joins the parade of preachers who are preaching salvation by faith in Jesus. It comes to us by God's amazing grace, not by our own deserving of it, not by what we've done to pay God off or earn our own way. No, no, the focus of the gospel message is singular. It's Jesus Christ and not what man has done. Acts chapter 13 Paul the Apostle does the same thing Peter did when he preached Jesus Christ in full forgiveness by grace and faith. In verse 29 of Acts 13, Paul the Apostle said this, When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. There's the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his burial. Verse 30, Paul said, But God raised him from the dead. So they put Jesus right in the focus of the good news. You see, all our preaching would be in vain about how to be forgiven if it didn't include what Jesus did that we could be forgiven. Here comes the big finish of Paul the Apostle as he preached this message in Antioch at Pisidia. Verse 38 is the evangelistic close. He said it like this. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him... All that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So Paul and Peter preached essentially the very same message that our sin fell on Jesus Christ. And that he paid for it and that he rose from the dead and he proved he really was the mediator between God and sinful man. And Peter and Paul agreed together that the way that we appropriate what Jesus did in his cross work is to believe in him. And that if we do, we have full forgiveness of our sin. Now, Moses' law could never do that. No human work could do it. No money in the offering plate or special prayer to God could ever give us forgiveness of sins. But God's forgiveness is offered to all by believing in Jesus Christ. Friend, there is no work. There is no payment to God that would satisfy him other than the death payment that was already paid by Jesus Christ. Would you look with me at Romans chapter 4? Paul the Apostle found that he needed to preach this message often. He needed to write about it in his letters to the churches. It seems to be something that people did not readily often receive. And there was a lot of turmoil around the preaching of the free grace of God that came by faith. I can tell you the same thing is true in our day. In Romans chapter 4, Paul the Apostle in verse number 7 says this, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. 
Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So Peter says the person who knows that he's forgiven by God is a blessed man. And he's a happy one too. He's happy because his sins are not imputed to him. That means that God doesn't put that man's sin on that man to pay. Why? Because God put that man's sins on someone else to pay. And that someone was Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And friend, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he paid for all our sin. And he rose again to prove it. And the Bible's preachers preached it for as long as they could. Today, those faithful preachers bring the grace of God from the podium. That forgiveness with God is free and it's final forever. One more. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 13 and 14. Paul the Apostle is at it again. Colossians 2 now. In verse 13, he says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Could there be any happier words for a sinner guilty and fallen short of the glory of God than that God had gone to bat in our place? That Jesus Christ took that sin and nailed it to his own cross. That he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us all and has declared that we now have full forever forgiveness by faith in Jesus and nothing else. Let me ask you some questions about this matter. Personally, how many of your sins did Jesus pay? All of them, correct, very good. Every sin that you have ever done or ever will do was paid by Jesus Christ. Question number two, how many of your sins did Jesus not pay? Correct, not a single one. You don't have any sin that wasn't already paid by Jesus. And if you are forgiven of all sins, how could God condemn you? Question number four, finally, if Jesus was condemned in your place and left no sin for which you could be condemned, where will you go when you die if you've believed in him? These are the words that form the best news in the world, friend, the gospel of God's amazing grace. Thanks again for joining us for Focus on the Bible. If you have a question about this episode or another topic, or you'd like to support our ministry, you can mail us at Focus, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633. We hope you'll join us again next time when we focus on the Bible.